My name is Juan Flores and I'm a coordinator in the Office of Cultural and Academic Transitions and um, I'd like to welcome all of you for joining us at our second Green Table talk slash chat uh, with, uh, with a lot of student, with several student leaders on campus who have been around and involved and um, are leaders in their communities and have done a lot of work to uh, improve the college experience for campus-wide. Um, so the Green Table Chat is, is an initiative that, that we started this summer in the office uh, where we bring real discussion on real issues uh, with real students. And our hope is that we can engage current students on campus and folks in the community, faculty and staff, um, so that they can be aware and um, know what the student experience is like right now. And uh, the main thing is to give these students an opportunity to share what they're working on, share what they've been involved on, and share what the experience is like for them and their constituents on campus so that everybody can, can learn and, and we can all grow together. Uh, so uh, the office is located in Student Affairs and Services building, third floor. Okay, it has a lot of uh, different students. Sorry about that. I have technical difficulties. Let's just do a quick. Do um, the theme today is your yeah. struggle, my struggle. You were uh, frozen a little bit. Okay. Mission building and some yeah. uh, some work. So I'll let. Juan, you're frozen a little bit. Um. Yeah. Can we just can we just welcome everybody? Can we just go ahead and um wave to those people who are actually our panelists. So we've got Sharon Dynasty Reed Davis. Give a quick wave. We'll have, we have Jonathan Swan. Am I saying that last name right? Okay. And Anna Maria Desenka Lopez. We have Leslie Morales and Javier Wilson. Please, we encourage you to uh, type in questions in the chat. Um, and we will try to get to those questions. And hopefully this particular session, um, we can engage with some of the audience members. Last session, we weren't able to do that. Um, so, so hopefully we can do that again. And then we're trying to work on getting it Facebook Live. I'm not sure if it's working, so bear with us. It's working, awesome. Please share it. Um, okay. So Juan, Juan, do you want to do a quick recap again? I know we're having a little technical difficulties. What the topic is today? Okay, yeah. So today's topic is, and I apologize for that. I don't know what's going on. I think my kids are probably on the iPad and took up some of the bandwidth. Uh, but uh, the struggle, the struggle, <laughs> the theme for, for, this, for this Green Table Talk is your struggle is my struggle with a question mark. And the question mark is intentional because there are a lot of uh, situations out there right now where people want to be in solidarity with, with folks um, in, that are dealing with different circumstances and different struggles. And uh, my challenge is to really uh, build coalitions and uh, support some of the different things that are happening on campus, off campus, and in the nation. So the theme uh, is, is your struggle, my struggle, is your fight, my fight. And we're hoping that these uh, guest student panelists can share some of their experiences, type of work um, on campus and off campus, and engage you, the audience, so that um, we can all learn and grow together. So Megan, I don't know if you got a chance to introduce yourself, and then I know the panelists already waved, and uh, we can give them the opportunity to introduce themselves after you. Yes, uh, Megan Kozar. Um... I'll be actually starting my 13th year at OCAT. Love what I do. We love this opportunity to work with student leaders. Um, they're so important. Their voices are so important and they inspire us every day and they challenge us every day. So that's it. Welcome. Share the live stream on the Facebook. Thank you. I can start by introducing myself. Um, I'm one of the panelists, y'all. My name is Leslie Morales. I use them, them, they, them, their pronouns, and I'm a student activist at Michigan State University. Um, I'm also part of the staff outreach 
for students for a multicultural building. Um, if you don't know what that is, like, we can talk about it a little later, but uh, just a little background about myself. I'm from Brownsville, Texas, uh, which is a border town where the population is 98 through 99% brown. I'm actually in Mexico right now. I'm visiting my family. I'm actually wearing a casual Mexican, you know, uh, shirt. So that's what's up. Um, but yeah, I began studying politics and history and slowly came to the realization that my hometown, you know, is full of corruption and fake leaders, but I know that my town isn't the only one. It is alive and well all throughout America and in our society. So, you know, when individuals don't have the knowledge to stand up for themselves, then they're going to keep getting oppressed. And that is why I do this activism work, to let people know, hey, these are your rights. You know, I love MSU. I'm proud to be a Spartan. However, I'm a hard critic of it because I want it to get better. You know, the systems in place now benefit certain, other, certain communities over others, and we need to remember equity over equality. So that's me, y'all. Thank you for being here. Okay, I guess I'm next. Um, my name is Sharon Dynasty Reed Davis. I'm a rising senior, so this is my senior year. Um, my major is political science pre-law and human development and family studies. Um, I'm the president of the Black Students Alliance on campus, and I'm also um, the current chair for the Council of Racial and Ethnic Students and the Council of Progressive Students, Cores and Cops for short. Um, if you don't know what that is, like Leslie said, we can talk about that later. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I'm a mentor also at an organization outside of campus called um, Helping Individuals to See Agency, his agency for short. Um, so yeah, and my plans, my future plans, when anybody like asks me what I want to be, I just say I want to be an activist because that's really what it is. I have plans to like go to law school and I want to help with stuff like the Innocence Project and things like that, but I really just want to be able to advocate for my community the best way that I can. And if you see me looking down, it's because I'm timing myself um, so I don't talk too long. Uh, and. I guess I can start by talking about the protests that I've uh, been a part of since everything has been happening. I've been to various protests in Lansing and in Detroit. Um, and the things that I've seen like were very, uh, I guess, emotional for me, the things that I've seen and I guess the things that I've felt like sadness, anger, like just people are tired. People are like feeling feelings of hopelessness and um, but I also been surprised because there are many like white people that I've seen like actually showing up for the black community and being like allies and stuff like that. And I'm very proud of that. Sorry. Um, and then let's see, I've also, I've also seen solidarity and I've seen like people standing up for other people. There have been, um, a lot of like times where I've been afraid because, you know, police are like, honestly, stealing lives of innocent black people, but it's like nothing that we can do. But with everybody showing so much support, it's good because without the sacrifices that are made, um, we wouldn't get where we are today. It's very sad. And everybody, this is live. So we're arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor, okay, like, just, it's so much going on, and it does bring a lot of attention, but it's also very sad, so my plans for that are just to, no matter what, no matter how scared or how hopeless I feel, continue to spread hope and continue to spread awareness and continue to go to protests and just advocate in the spaces that I control. So advocate for the black community on campus and advocate to administration for what we need and what the greater Lansing community needs. And yeah, that's that's what I have. And Black Lives Matter and <laughs> yeah, that's it. So thank you. Uh, I guess um, I can go next. Uh, my name is Jonathan Swan. Uh, he, him, his pronouns. Um, I'm the vice president of the Asian Pacific Americans Student Organization, um, also known as APASO, uh, former Corps and Cops um, representative from last year and uh, going through this year being the vice president. 
Um, I guess with our community, I think one of the big things I'm hoping to do is, you know, what we're seeing is uh, throughout these past, I don't know, month or few weeks, um, there has been a lot of upheaval, you know, like um, innocent lives have been lost and stuff like that. And I think that like now is not, I think now is the time, I think, especially for Asian Americans, uh, Asian Pacific Islander, Desi Americans, um, I guess to move just beyond simple allyship, but to really look at where can our struggles align with others. And like, I think one of the big things I want to do this year as vice president is see where, you know, like, where can I link my community struggle with the struggles of others in order to have collective liberation. Um, and uh, I'm also uh, looking forward to, you know, like uh, working with a lot of other student leaders and, you know, like it's going to be a hard journey to get and uh, to get like what we need. And especially with this being election year, it's the campus climate along with, you know, um, the weird return um, with coronavirus uh, in mind. It's going to be a very difficult um, semester, but I'm hopeful that I think um, people on the ground are going to continue to fight for what's right. Uh, I guess I'll go next. My name is Javier Wilson. My pronouns are he, him, his. I am the president of the Delta Kappa chapter of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. I am also the external vice president of the MPHC here at Michigan State University. Um, my major is supply chain management. This is my fifth year. I can't wait to, you know, graduate. Um, I think what, honestly, everything that Sharon said, it was, it was pretty spot on, you know, but also, like I said at the, the visual, I, I want everyone to understand that this is not, this is not new and we are still fighting the fight of our ancestors and our parents and our grandparents and the people who have come before us. We aren't on the front line just crying for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. We are still crying for Emmett Till. Nothing, yes, we've come further than our ancestors, quote unquote, but I'm still way further back than my counterparts. As I have a child, I'm still having the conversation that you start 10 steps behind them and you always have to be so much better than the quote unquote them to get half as much as they do and that's just real and regardless of if you agree with the narrative or you can identify with the narrative you have to understand that the narrative is real it's very true and to open our eyes and to have the, un the uncomfortable conversations you have to be comfortable getting uncomfortable it's not nice but this is the conversations that we've been having in the black community for generations and generations and generations these are the conversations that everyone needs to have and until we do nothing will change yep Hi everyone, my name is Ana Maria Lopez and I am going to be doing my fifth year in elementary education with a focus on mathematics and Spanish, a double degree. I am part of CRU, which is Cultura de las Latinas, which is the largest Latinx work on campus, and I am the Dia de la Mujer chair, so I will be handling the conference that we present in the spring. I have also been a part, or I just became a part of Students for a Free Sustainable Multicultural Building which as Leslie said, we will expand on later. And I handle their social media. Um, I am also recently a sister of Sigma Lambda Gamma National Authority. And uh, throughout my time here on campus, I think that I have developed my the definition of what being an ally is. And that's always growing and that's always evolving as, as you talk to people and get to know people and I participated in a few protests uh, during this climate, but it's not a new thing. Like these protests keep happening. And one thing that has stood out to me has been that when you're going there, it's very important to listen, especially when you are not part of this community, but you have to listen to what it is that people are saying, what it is that you're saying, how it is that people are reacting like the signs that people are doing and just being very intentional about that. And I think that that has gone a lot into what I perceive to be allyship. And I'm excited to talk about that and more about this topic. OK, 
Okay, so um, I'm going to pose the first question and then all of you or some of you can answer and have a few questions that, that we'll, we'll pose for the guest panelists. And I just dropped in the uh, chat that uh, the audience is also able to um, ask any questions. And uh, what we'll do is we'll filter them um, into categories and then we'll have the panelists answer some of those at the end of, of the, the Green Table Talk. So the first question um, for all of you is, what does struggle mean for your community? And that can be on campus, uh, back home, uh, however you choose to answer. What does struggle mean for your community? I want, I, I want to answer this one only, I mean, I'm going to answer them all, right? But um, I want to start answering this one because what community? You know, especially like if you look at me, people already see that I'm gay and that I'm brown, but they don't see my other community, such as like, I'm, I'm religious, I, I identify as Christian. You know, I worked in, um, my family worked in, you know, migrant uh, camps. So like, I'm also a part of that community. And so like, the theme of this is, is my struggle, your struggle. And because I hold so many identities, I'm able to say yes. You know, yes, that is our struggle. You know, I'm gay, I'm brown, but I'm also poor. And you know, you can't tackle one issue without attacking all these other issues because they are intersected. And you can't, you know, we have to realize that we have to open our minds and be like, okay, well, it's not just a one thing, it's an all of us together. Um, so I, I'm just gonna leave that, my answer for that right now, but anybody else can go ahead. Um, I can't answer that too. Uh, for me, I, I feel like my struggle is, my life or the struggle for my community is our lives. Like we have to get up every day not knowing if we're going to make it through the day or not. Like, and for, it's like, it's wrong, but it's like you have to pick, pick which identi identity you're gonna identify with the most. Like, because I'm, I'm black and I'm a woman, but I choose to be black first because that is that is what people see, you know, and like I I get in my car not knowing if I'm gonna get pulled over, shot, what. I as a black woman, I go into the spaces where I have a seat at the table that I had to work, fight tooth and nail for, and I have to prepare myself for people to overtalk me, overlook me, um, underestimate me. And just at this point, it's like for the black community, it's like we have to prove ourselves to everyone else while still trying to prove ourselves to each other. Because for some reason, the black community can come together to fight against everybody else, but we're still fighting each other. And that's another struggle that we have. Not saying I love my community, but that's just something that we face as well. So while we're trying to prove that we're good enough to live, we still trying to prove to each other that we can be good enough to get along, I guess. And I'll leave it right there too. Um, I'll, I'll piggyback, especially on choosing your identity as a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Yes, I am a gay man, but I'm a black man first. Especially when you look at the history, I mean, the LGBTQ history, black people did not have the same plight and same journey that the other races did. We were, we, we didn't have opportunities to get in those spaces, those gay bars or lesbian bars, we weren't allowed in them. Because at the end of the day, we were still seen as black and we weren't we weren't accepted. At the end of the day, I, I respect everyone's opinion on on the topics and everything. But from the standpoint of an African-American male in history, everyone has always seen my color first and my color will always be my first identifier because that's that's me. When we have conversations of the talk, you know, in in uh, media. So many people think that's just sex, but in our community, that's not the, the main talk. The talk is, this is what you do when you see the police. 
you don't you don't go out there because well they they might think that you're a quote unquote thug. You're going to be typecast. You can't do those things just because they do that you're not going to be received the same way. And that's the conversation that we have. And that's always the narrative that we have to have with our four and five-year-old kids because we don't want them to go into the world thinking that the world is TV because for our community, it's not. It's just not. So that's struggle. Thanks, Javier, for all, all, uh, all of you who answered. Uh, I'm going to move on to our next question, unless any, anyone else wants to further add anything. Yes. Yes. Well, um, I just want to leave, like, on the last note is, like, and and I don't want to speak for everybody, but, like, for, for me and for my community, and um, go ahead and give a thumbs up, you know, if you, if you, um, if, 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 how do I say this, like, if you resonate with this, you know, so for my community, struggle means having to prove that we're worthy enough to live. Thanks, Leslie. This next question is on what solidarity look like? So I've been on the ground, on campus, involved pretty much since day one, since you first stepped foot on campus. And right now with Black Lives Matter movement, police brutality, and all of, all of the social injustices that have come to light, um, there are different forms of solidarity happening across the nation and on campus. And so you, you end up with some disagreements and some agreements and it just, it looks different for everybody, right? Everybody has different levels of understanding of what it even means or has the, under, the historical understanding of what social systemic uh, injustices are and when they started. So with this topic of is your struggle my struggle, is your fight my fight? You know, there are people out there that say, yes, your struggle is my struggle. And then there are other, other people within and across communities saying, no, you'll never understand. So there's disagreement, right, out there. So what does solidarity look like for you all? Um, for me, uh, I, I struggle like with solidarity and allyship. Um, when I, when like, as my leadership grew, like, I struggled with that because, like, I'm the current chair of Corps and Cops. So Corps and Cops makes up, like, 14 different organizations of various races, ethnicities, religions, everything. And it was like, like, for example, we planned, um, we were planning a protest, and that's when we came up with the Corps and Cops 10-point plan. Um, and that was like 10 demands that we had for the president um, of the university. So we did the protest, but it was just, it was hard because it's like, as a black woman, you know, like Javier was saying, I'm black first, my color, you always, you are always gonna see that first. So it was like, I had to realize that being a part of a being in solidarity with other communities and being in a coalition with other communities you have to put their struggles at the forefront too with your struggles so you just can't think about the struggles that you're going through you got to think about everybody else struggles too so like with when everything first started with coronavirus for example there was a lot of racism towards the asian american community and the international student community on campus and we had to rally together to say well this is this is what's important right now and sometimes your your what you're facing you know has to go to the back burner because something else is just right there right then you have to talk about that and it's very hard because we all go through stuff but when you're in solidarity with somebody you got to know when to put your put your stuff back and for the your struggle is my struggle i think it's yes and no because no nobody is going to understand what i'm going through except for me because nobody is in my body and in my skin except for me but also you can empathize you can understand you can gain as much knowledge as you you can to know like what's going on and you know you can go from there but being in solidarity means saying that oh my privilege i need to check my privilege right now and let this other person speak because they don't have the same opportunity to speak as i do so i need to step back and let them step forward i need to 
give my platform to them so they can speak about what's going on with them because nobody can share somebody else's struggle better than them. So, yeah. I guess I want to continue on with that point. I think um, looking at like the difference of struggles, I think oftentimes too, like while there's distinct struggles, oftentimes our struggles come from the same place. Um, and like, you know, a big, a big example would be, you know, surrounding coronavirus. Um, as the Asian American community was facing increasing racism and stuff like that, the black community was also facing that their community was being hit harder um, by coronavirus. And like, um, while yes, there are distinct lanes, I feel that like, um, you know, like uh, institutions like white supremacy impact all marginalized people on, and like on different levels. But I think at the same time, that doesn't mean that just because we're different, doesn't, that doesn't mean we can't unite. And actually I feel like, you know, um, uniting our struggles um and saying like oh how am i how is this specific force impacting me seeing how like oh yeah this specific force is also impacting someone else who's different than me i think that's i think where solidarity comes important you know and i think like um a big example i can remember i was at a protest in dc i think last summer um it was against like uh the philippine government um they've been i guess basically uh launching a war, like a drug war against um, uh, the, the, the Filipino people. Um, you know, UN said that there was 30,000 lives, I think, that had been lost in, during the Philippine drug war or something along those lines. And I remember that um, one of the people that, while we were protesting in front of the, uh, the um, embassy, uh, some of the people who put themselves at the front line in solidarity and trying to, like, defuse the cops from really coming at us were black legal observers. And I think it's because they were able to see that the struggle of the Filipino people were also um, similar to that of, you know, the black community against like drug wars and stuff like that. And I think, um, I think a lot about like that a moment, because I think like, you know, oftentimes we don't really realize how our struggles are inter um, not only intersecting, but also come from the same causes. And I think that, you know, we should be there for each other no matter what. I would also just like to amplify what Sharon said, because I had um, written that as well, is that, you know, we have to realize that we won't ever understand what somebody else's struggle is because that is their experience and it's not ours. However, we can understand our own experience and try to help others with it. Um, but before I move on into what solidarity looks like, I really want to like point out what solidarity is not. So solidarity isn't just, you know, showing up to an event. It isn't posting on Facebook with a hashtag or it isn't you posting pictures at a protest just because it's popular now. That's not what solidarity is. What solidarity is, is you always showing up, not just when it's convenient for you or for somebody else or because somebody asked you, it's because you want to be there and you want to learn and you really want to support that community. And that's what we have to understand is you know, we have to do our own research into other people's communities. We can't always expect other people to educate us because, you know, we have to do that work on our own because it's traumatizing. You know, we don't want to ask these people, oh, what did you go through? You know, no, that's not, that's not how you go about things. And if you do want to learn that, you're going to be in community with them and, you know, you're going to keep supporting them and um, just, just, you know, just being a decent human being, like you posting things on Facebook, that's just you noticing that something is wrong. That's not you actively doing something. And that's, that's what solidarity looks like. But it's also, you know, using your positions of power to help those less marginalized. And another thing as well is that in higher education, solidarity does not look like listening circles and committees, just putting that out there. Thank you. Thank you all for, for your responses. Um, if no one else has anything to add to that, I'm gonna move on to the next question. I so, wanna add real quick. Yes. Oh, I wanna add real quick that sometimes um, not all of these marginalized identities will be in the same spaces as you. And so I think that in that point, like that's a prime example. So thinking about classrooms that you're in where you're the only person of color and like constantly constantly it's frustrating to say like to have to speak up for a whole community and like that in itself is a struggle and it's exhausting 
And you have to understand that people who do that, like they're standing up because it's making them uncomfortable. And like, it's hard of, of on them to stand up, but like they're still doing it because they have to be the voice for all the people that aren't there. And I think that's a form of solidarity and like putting yourself out there and being willing to have people maybe look at you in a different way. Like I know that um, I met with someone from my education classes and they told me that other people used to say I was too political in the classes. And like that, like I wear that with pride because if I was bringing stuff up in education classes, I'm gonna bring those conversations up because those are the teachers of tomorrow. And if if they're not resonating with what I'm saying, then they need to do some serious work because there was a tweet that I saw that like, education and teachers are the top for the classroom. And I think that that speaks volumes to our education system and so many other systems that are very wrong. Thanks, Anna Maria. I'm gonna move on to the next question. And, and uh, the question is about coalitions. So in your experience, what do coalitions look like and how, how can the community support coalitions or even begin the process of being part of and partic you know, actively participating? Anyone can go. Um, I, I just spoke on it a little bit um, in my last answer, but I'm going to keep it short because I'm talking too much. Um, but basically, it's going as hard for other communities as you do for your own, like cords and cops. We, we go hard for each other and we have like differences, of course, because we're all different. We're all marginalized. We're all trying to fight, fight for our communities but also is fighting for somebody else's community so i know like um when i first met john like i didn't know exactly who he was but i just see him at all of our events and i just like who is this but he just showed up to everything so it's like actually showing up actually actively learning like actually wanting to know and wanting to fight for a community other than your own because it's just the right thing to do. So you can be in coalition with white people. It's not, it doesn't just have to be marginalized communities in this coalition. You can be white and still understand like, it's not exclusive or anything like that. So it's really just showing up and fighting for those other than yourself, um, using your privilege to stand up for others, so. I'm glad you, you answered the question that way. Um, I'm going to reframe the question a little bit because I think most of you already started answering the next one. Um, and uh, you can add, you know, your comments to the previous one if you'd like. Um, but the question is, how can we understand the struggles faced within and across communities? And how can we support in a productive way? And I think Sharon just hit the nail on the head with that one, with the example of Jonathan supporting every event out there where every every initiative out there within the Course Cops community, right? So Sharon, if you want to add anything, Jen, how can, you, how can we understand the struggle space within and across communities and how can we support in a productive, positive way? Go ahead and then we'll uh, let the other panelists have a, a go. Um, I think it's just like, just showing up really like wanting to learn like, and not being afraid to ask questions. I know, um, Jenny O, I'm not sure if she's still on Apostles Ebor or not, but I remember um, we went to New York together for a diversity conference or something. And she's just like, yeah, Americans are really weird. Like, you guys get mad when people ask questions. And where I'm from, like, we just ask questions and nobody gets mad. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like how you go about it. But at the same time, like, you can't get mad when somebody asks you questions because people really don't know. So we, like, as people that are going through it or as leaders have to be able to answer questions without, like, feeling some type of way. But people also have to be not afraid to ask questions. You have to put yourself out there and you got to make yourself vulnerable to learn things. And you can't just go into a situation acting like you already know. Sometimes you just have to listen. And if somebody like insults you, okay, 
you know, <laughs> it's going to happen. Take it and learn from it. And if that's not you, you know, have a conversation, but don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Like, dude, John is the perfect example. Like, he just came to our stuff, listen, ask questions, like, and that's what you do. That's that's how you learn, so. Yeah, just, just to add on, like, what Sharon said is, it's just being present and, like, actually interacting with the community that you want to learn about like you're not going to learn everything if you just like keep othering a community and be like well i wonder what they do about this or i wonder what this is like with them like no like you have to be there and, and like you have to live it like you learn from your lived experiences you know msu has the 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 learning communities why because we learn by experiencing and at the same time you know because of twitter we have this cancel culture that like oh you're not woke enough or oh you don't know this bye and it's like no we can't be like that because how how are we going to expect people to change if we're not telling them how they're wrong and we just tell them bye you know and 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 i i will agree that you know i'm in mexico right now and i'm interacting with my family and you know some of the, the things that they're telling me is like you know why why do americans why are they so defensive and it's true you know um people ask you something and like huh what no 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 you know and it's like no we have to we have to keep an open mind. We have to protect, you know, our emotions as well, but we have to educate people as long as they're asking respectfully. And if they don't ask a question respectfully, maybe they don't know how to ask that question respectfully. So you help them rephrase that question. So if they ask somebody else, they won't, you know, offend somebody. And so that's, that's something that as, stu as not just student leaders, but as leaders in any community, you have to be able to educate people, but also be aware of when it's, emotionally tiring for you because we have to take care of ourselves first and i'd like to echo i guess those sentiments i think like the importance of like uh being open and um as well as i guess uh if you feel like um you are able to speak on about your experiences and educate i think it's a good thing you know not everyone is ready all the time to like you know talk about their experiences however traumatic they may be but I think um, one thing to note is that, like, we live in a world where, like, you know, it's either we educate or, like, someone else will. And I think, like, oftentimes, like, you know, there's there's people who put up narratives of, of our communities, you know, what, like, who will try to use academic language to dehumanize us and stuff like that. I mean, it's, and it's, like, the Internet's a wide place. There's all sorts of propaganda going out, uh, talking ill about Asian Americans, talking ill about Black people, talking ill about, you know, all other communities. And I think as like um it's uh, it's it can be a lot and i don't automatically expect everyone to go in it but i think it's, we have to realize if for those who are able um to speak up and like um educate people this is this is a fight that i think that we have to continue on because it's not only a struggle i guess um against certain forces that are oppressing us but also in the narratives of who is defining us you know what i mean who defining like our history you know um and stuff like that I also want to say research. Research is so important. You know, certain questions I shouldn't have to answer. Like, yes, I can. I can educate you about my experience and certain things that I've done, but I don't. I don't feel the need to tell you that two generations ago our grandparents were still domestics. That's you can research that. You know, three generations ago people were still extremely oppressed. Like it, it's just certain things don't have to be taught every now i mean uh too much and just like with the cancel culture i think there's also a culture that we need to teach everything i'm not teaching you everything certain things you can research on your own you can research um on rate my professors for your classes you can research for an interview for a job you can research for that paper you can research about my oppression and and that's that's really that's how you stand with me. Then you can come back to me. This is what I've learned. These, uh, this is the, this is the puzzle that I have. Now, when I did my research, these were the puzzle pieces that were missing. Can you assist me and put some of these puzzle pieces in? Because I can't understand the whole puzzle without getting your experience. Okay, I can do that, but I, I can't make the whole puzzle for you. That's not, that's not going to occur. Let's um. Thank you, Javier, and for all the panelists for um, sharing your point of view. It's so important. Can we open it up to people who are on the Zoom to ask some questions? 
and if people are feeling a little bit shy right now, um, already I, have a few let's, let's, let's all like feed off of what Javier was saying. What's really on your mind? I want to create this space where you can really share some things that you don't like when you, when people are trying to help support. So this is an education opportunity. Um, so if there's some guests on the zoom who want to ask a question, please. They are. They asked a few questions already. They, uh, there's a question on here about fall semester with the election, how it'll affect your communities. And another one about faculty staff, how can they get involved? What would that look like? Yeah, so I I wanna, oh, sorry. Um, but I wanted to answer the one about um, with next semester being during an election, what are your concerns or worries for your communities? Honestly, what I'm worried about is that people in general don't have America's best interest in the forefront, and when I say America, I mean like all of us, because we are all, you know, we're here, we're living, and what, what, what I mean by that is, um, you know, politics are just a very dirty and corrupt game, and I don't care about Democrat or Republican, that doesn't, I don't care about that, because what I care is I want a leader who's gonna fight for me and fight for my struggles, but also fight for all the other people that are struggling with me, and right now, I don't see that, and it's always choosing one over another, but you, we never really truly have somebody that's for the people. And it's always choosing somebody who's just the better of the two evils. And it's like, why does it have to be that way? And at the same time, these ideas, you know, that are, you know, what we're fighting for, this is just in fighting to keep us distracted, to keep us, you know, um, so that we're not listening or we're not doing our research into what is actually happening behind the scenes. And that's just what I wanna like let people know is like all of these are just distractions. Like we really need to come together, especially right now to fight for everybody, for all of us. Mm -hmm. So that's just my answer. Oh, is it? Oh, oh, go ahead, sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> so for me, me and my friends have actually had a conversation and we're pretty, we're scared about the election and what's going to occur. I was here in, in 16 when we had the last one and campus was not, it wasn't a safe space in all honesty. Uh, racial slurs were getting yelled, things were getting put outside of people's dorms, on sidewalks. It was it was a scary sight to see people's families where they were very nervous about us attending Michigan State University at the time. People are really scared about how this next election will go and what will be the response from MSU's community because it's not always a safe place. And a lot of times it, it has not been, just re honestly. And as far as um, staff goes, I remember uh, BSA, they had an event, I want to say first semester, and this, this topic came up. And the response was people want to see staff have the uncomfortable conversations in front of the community. And we understand and we've been told by staff that you guys have those conversations behind closed doors. But a lot of times people need to see that you're having those conversations. They want to know that you're fighting for them. It, it, it makes people feel a little bit better that I know that we're all in the same fight and we shouldn't have to close doors to have the same fight. Let's open them up because the, the closed doors is partially why we got to where we are today. The, the doors need to open and the conversation needs to be had on the front line and in the, in the living room and not in the bedroom. And um, I wanted to touch on that specifically with voting and it being an election year. I, I remember that there's this privilege that comes with voting and having the ability to vote. And like Leslie said, sometimes both candidates are terrible. And some people choose to do an absentee, like to not even an absentee, um, to not vote because they don't want to vote for either one. But in that silence and in not voting, like it gives power to a potential candidate that is terrible for a lot of people. And I think that's what happened in 2016. And I remember being on campus and having the election results and it was so disheartening. And that along with, I think that we also did the day without an immigrant in 2016. And just seeing how people reacted to that, like what people were saying in my classes, that that is like still embraced, like grilled into my mind. So know that there is privilege in voting and having that right. And 
if you really want to be an ally and you really want to show solidarity, use that. Because at the end of the day, like that's one of the things that we do have right now at our disposal to make change. And if that's not right, like we should have so many other ways that we can stand up. But for now, like use what we got, use the system for our advantage. Um, I think also too, there's other ways I think we can also fight for political power because I think as we've seen, you know, the past few months, how the election's looking, those imp we have like a truly, I guess, inhuman sort of like mechanism that's controlling us uh, from above. I think that, um, yes, while voting can be some sort of a way to attain power, I think also a lot of power can be done through direct action, through building power of your local community, um, uh, doing campaigns such as like, you know, um, petitions and whatnot, you know, like there are other avenues, alternate avenues to build power. And I think like looking at the history, even just the past month, you know, protests across the country and stuff like that. Yes. And while there is still a long way to go, um, we still need to get, you know, all Breonna Taylor's like cops um, jailed or, and all these killer cops jailed or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I think the power of direct action, I think has shown a lot of, you know, a lot of, I guess, potential, just seeing like the pushes nationwide for um, defunding the police and stuff like that. Like the power relies, it, I guess like there's, this is, as the saying goes, like history is moved by the masses and not by, you know, like powerful men. And I think that once we realize that it is the common people that have power, I think, um, and further putting out the idea that we have power, we can do things, then I think there can be a lot of good that can be done. I would like to add on to what Jonathan said is, um, you know, in light of June, of, uh, you know, it being June and Pride Month, you know, LGBTQ rights, that all started with direct action. It wasn't, there wasn't any people in power trying to fight for us, you know, it was all the people in the streets. And so I just want to echo what John said is that there are power in the people in the streets and the time to act is now. For me, um, I, this is my second year being president. Um, last year, it was like so many things were happening back to back to back and the black community, like, was really just disheartened and sad and everything. So I, I like feel that because people always come to me like, Sharon, what you gonna do? What do you wanna do? What are you fighting for? What do you want? I'm, I, it's like I'm answering to the community and I have to speak for them to administration. And my biggest concern is our mental health, like, cause I can't, I can't take that. Like, people ask me, like, I wanted to be president again. And people just ask me, like, how do you feel being, a and I'm just like scared, honestly, because I wasn't here in 2016. But when I talk to my predecessors, like the people who came before me, the people who were part of BSA before me, um, they said that it was trash. It was just up in the air, really, like, you don't know, like, so I don't know, I'm not ready for that, I guess. Like, I already know how students are. It's so many things. We have to constantly validate our experiences. And this administration that we have is so data-driven and data-focused, but my lived experience seems like it's not enough data for them. So like even with the police and everything that's going on now, like we did a bill to like defund police, defund the MSU police, and we don't know where that's gonna go. Like we don't know what's gonna happen because it seems like everything that we go, it doesn't matter how many of us die, it's not enough. It's not, the data isn't enough where people aren't reporting enough, even though there's retaliation that we can face, even though there's people that are scared, even though there's people that feel like nothing is going to happen. So why would we report anything to them, to this administration, um, to Michigan State University? This is supposed to be a home for us. We don't feel welcome. And I know in the fall, when this election time comes, when Donald Trump 
goes and spills all of the BS that he says and his followers that are on campus, these college students that's supposed to be our peers that we live with, that we have to walk past every day that can say whatever they want without repercussion, that aren't afraid for their lives, when they get to speak, it's nothing that's going to happen to them. When we have to face that, when we have to go to class, when we have to wake up every day, knowing that we're going to go to campus dealing with this, knowing that we got to walk out of our dorm rooms for those who stay on campus dealing with this, or that our neighbor could be this, that our roommate, if you went in blind, could be this person doing this. When we have to see Confederate flags and nooses at our doors, like, I think Leslie said when President Simon banned whiteboards instead of saying anything about racism, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to be there fighting for us. And as far as like faculty and staff and administration, like everybody already said, show up. I have to, I don't trust anybody, especially at Michigan State, especially that works for the university. I have like a solid three, maybe four. Um, but that's only because I know they're going to go as hard for me as I'm going to go for my community. And they're going to go as hard for the black community as I'm going to go for the black community. We have to know that you're fighting for us. We have to see you showing up. We have to see you at our protests. And if you're just at our protests trying to make sure that it doesn't go crazy, that's not enough because we got this. We're, we're grown. We're college students too. We know what we need to do to succeed. We know what we have to do. We don't want this university to go up in flames. We just want to be able to be at the same point as our white counterparts. So for you to micromanage us and our old advisor, Dr. Jasmine Lee, always said, all skin folk, not kin folk. And I highly believe that because it's black administrators and black faculty and staff that I feel not going to go hard for me. And like Megan and Juan, they're not black, but I know they're going to go hard for me. I know they're going to fight for me. So it's like you have to pick your battles and you have to make students feel like you're going to fight for us. Because if I don't feel like you're going to fight for me, I'm not going to fight for you. I'm not going to put my neck out on the line. I'm not going to tell students that come to me like, Sharon, who is a good professor? Who's a black good professor? Who's a black administrator that I can talk to? I'm not going to recommend you. I'm going to say I haven't had a good experience with that person. I'm going to speak on my experience. And it's just like, just show up. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to show up. I know that faculty and staff have lives and children and all of that. And I'm not going to take away from that because that is not my experience. I don't have any kids or any of those type of responsibilities. But I also know that if this is important to you, you make time for what you want to make time for. And I say that across the board because I know that I do and you, you're you going to make time for your kids regardless. So treat me like I'm one of your kids because if this was your black kid or kid in general um, going through that, you're, you're going to be right there going hard with your kid. And my mama can't be here. My mama is not able to be here. So I need somebody else that I can feel like that I can turn to here you know, to, to like, be like, okay, if I can't fight for myself, if I'm too messed up, or if I'm too down to advocate for myself, I know this person got me. I know this person has my back. And that's, that's pretty much it. Just make me feel like you're going to have my back. Like, like Kelly said in the comments, um, and Kelly knows, like, I will, like, if I don't trust you, I'm going to make it known. Like, I don't trust you. I don't know you. You have to, like, where's your olive branch you have to you know reach out to us because if you don't reach out to us we're not going to reach out to you we don't know you we don't know what you're about so yeah <laughs> sorry sorry for going on a rant no thank you thank you don't for be sorry don't be sorry <laughs> exactly uh we really appreciate everybody's candidness and genuine authenticity uh with the responses to these questions and Unfortunately, we are running out of, out of time. We've got four minutes. So unless anyone wants to add anything, I guess this is an opportunity for any, any of you who want to add anything. And then after that, uh, please share with the, the audience and everyone out there on Facebook land uh, following live, how they can support you um, this upcoming year and um, through your various involvement in different you know, extracurricular or organizations. Uh, 
what's your focus and how can we get involved? Yeah, and Juan, let's just give each person, panelist, um, first of all, thank you so much. Let's give each panelist just a, the final couple minutes, okay? Who wants to go first? How about you, Leslie? Oh, Anna Maria, okay. Um, so Leslie and I are both and a lot of other students are fighting for a multi freestanding multicultural building on MSU's campus. Uh, you can follow our Instagram, which I will put in the chat, but that's a good way to, to at least start to be aware of what it is that we are doing and we will keep that updated. Um, I'm also part of CREW and like I mentioned, we will be having a conference for uh, Latinas in the spring, so that's a good event to also keep up for. I will put that Instagram link in there. And even for students, things that you can do just to become more aware, there are emeralds, which I was an intercultural aid, and I learned through so much by going as a participant and then facilitating those discussions. And those are the three that I want to speak on right now. So stay involved and Put yourself out there and like share on there, like just ask questions. Yeah, I was gonna, um, for me, like just some final words is like, you know, we're all here today because we have a hunger to learn. We want to learn more. We want to educate ourselves on issues that we may not know exist. And so, like, thank you for being here, but like the work doesn't stop here. Keep doing what you do, educate yourself, sign petitions, but interact with us. Don't just like ask us on this panel, but like if you see us in person, just make us feel included, make us feel welcome. You know, um, you know, change just starts with education as well. And just me personally, because of, you know, I, I've been at MSU for four years now. This is going to be my fifth year. But I had to medically withdraw last semester because it was just a lot of work on me. It just, I felt all this pressure, especially being, you know, Latinx and brown. It was like I can either advocate for my Latinx community or I can't, I mean, for my, or my queer community. I can either activate. So it was just a lot and it is a lot of pressure especially for like first generation students or students who don't have a lot of support i mean my family is from texas i don't have anybody here so just imagine like me coming to this place trying to think like oh this is going to be a welcoming environment inclusive environment but i have to fight for my rights i have to fight you know for these students so we can just get an equal playing field um so i just say right now i'm just working on you know um getting back into school but um, I am with the multicultural building because I will be enrolled in the fall. So, you know, Anna already put our um, Instagram there. So just interact with us. That's, that's like the easiest thing you can do. Just talk to us. Um, for me, I want to say it, it honestly just goes back to what Sharon said earlier about seats at the table. Acknowledge that all seats at the table Everyone doesn't have a seat at the table, and even when they do get a seat at the table, everybody's seat doesn't look like yours. Some people have old wooden seats, and some people have CEO seats. So just acknowledge the privilege to have the conversations and show up um, all of the different communities and different groups and different organizations. They throw town halls and different programs on different topics. Just go and talk, you know, just have those conversations. And like everyone has said, when you see people out, talk, just change change what's happening just change what's happening and use use your privilege that's that's always the answer <laughs> um yeah um just to like you know close some things i think just remember always um find that our struggles are distinct from one another but also come from uh the same causes and same roots and um i think always just link um your struggles raise your conscience and in order to raise um sort of like our consciousness and uh raise our levels you know wherever it may be and just uh continue to fight with each other um, i put on my works instagram black students alliance um it's just at msu underscore bsa on instagram and twitter mine is at dynasty underscore s um on instagram but yeah if you like see me ever want to have a conversation like i'm open to talking always like if this is something that you want to further the conversation like just reach out and i'm not i will talk to you about almost anything so yeah and stay safe everybody
So that's it. Again, let's thank you, the panelists. Um, can the panelists hang on? Let's debrief really quick. But thank you all for coming and joining us and stay safe. Take care. Have a good weekend. Thanks again, everybody, and everyone in the audience. We really appreciate your support. Uh, stay tuned for the uh, next one in a few weeks, and uh, we do have a few more coming up this summer. Uh, so, again, panelists, thank you all so much for your authenticity.